This is the Banks of the Raritan Podcast, presented by the Fans First Sports Network. Banks of the Raritan Podcast, Greg Petuto here with Matt Forno once again. A very different tone to start this podcast than what we might have thought it would be about 2.30 on Saturday afternoon. And you know what, Matt? I'm going to let you start this one off and take over the... uh, the opening monologue to talk about this Rutgers game and the feeling that Rutgers should have because there's some good, there's some bad, but a lot, a lot of excitement out of Piscataway after this game. I'll start by just saying five and two, five and two, five and two. I mean, that is, it's just crazy to think that Rutgers has three more wins than losses. I think that's incredible, but this is a game that embodies what chop means. This is what Greg Shano coach football team looks like. I obviously for that second quarter, didn't look like much of a football game at all. It was just a mud fight, but you take that you take that away, part of the third quarter away, and you're looking at what a Greg Shana football team looks like. I mean, they they won this game at every single level of the game. Offense, special teams, defense. For the whole for the entirety of the game, no, but they chopped for the full 60 minutes, got the dub. One of the mo- probably it's I mean, <laughs> probably not for so many because there weren't that many fans at the game, but truly a extremely memorable game that's going to go down in, in probably the record books for Rutgers. This wasn't their biggest comeback since joining the Big Ten, but of recent memory, it certainly is. And the dramatics, all of it was amazing. Shout out to uh, Francis Hearn, a fellow contributor to On the Banks, who is uh, stuck it out for the whole game, posted an article about his experience. Shout out all the fans that were there. I think this is going to set up an exciting, exciting game after Rutgers comes back from the bye. Uh, once they come back from Indiana, they have the bye, and then we're, uh, I think, at home against Ohio State. Not pr- not promising anything there, but a win like this hopefully can set up an incredible environment in, in SHI Stadium in a couple weeks. So, fans, you have a lot to be excited about, and we have one more one more goal to accomplish, and that's get one more win to go bowling. So we'll talk about Indiana, Indiana later in the week, but an exciting, an exciting game. Lots to talk about. Plenty to criticize, but also don't forget to celebrate. It, it definitely will go down in the in the history books. I think just because of the situation that the team was in. And I think, first of all, the weather, I think, has a factor in it. The fact that this took place in a rainstorm, I think, will definitely be something that makes this game memorable, even if you weren't there. Just the the gloomy aspect of this game over the first three quarters and how it completely turned and the fact that it happened in a rainstorm, to me, is kind of awesome. It, it's going to go down in the history books because Rutgers now has a chance to get to six wins, get to a, get back to a bowl game legitimately. They're 5-2, and two, which we've been saying over the past couple weeks, it feels impossible to think about a Rutgers football team being 5-2. and two. But also the fact that this seemed like it seemed like a season ender, this game. Over the first three quarters, this is the game that Rutgers came in expecting to win. They were favored, homecoming. They got Ace Bailey and Dylan Harper both on campus hanging out together all weekend. It felt like a game they had to win. And over the first three quarters, obviously, it wasn't going in that direction. They're not, again, the last four weeks, they have a gauntlet to go through. Who knows how that's going to play out. This felt like a, another 5-7 and seven season coming because I still think they're going to beat Indiana next week. Again, we'll get to that later in the week. It felt like another 5-7 and seven season and kind of just being stuck in the mud, one game away from a bowl berth, all of that nonsense. So to be able to go and get this, no matter how you got there, and we're going to plenty, we're, we're going to talk about how this game got to where it did, but no matter how they got there, fans should be excited. A lot of fans are excited. And and like I said, the rain, the the comeback, the ugly nature of this game, special teams, all of it made it a legendary game that will definitely be memorable for Rutgers fans moving forward. 
Yeah, I want to say I said that Rutgers won the game at all three levels, but there were points at this game where like it almost felt like each unit almost lost us the game at the same time. So just a wacky game that honestly the the goods ultimately uh, outweighed the the cons there. But yeah, like you said, <laughs> if if they lost this game, I mean, I was I mean, I, I I was there at some point in the third quarter after that touchdown. Just like man, this is really the same old Rutgers. This is the same old team. We're right where we're right where we left off. We we. You know, it, it was it's like no different than last year, but that wasn't the case. I mean, that just simply it, it turned out to not be the case. Uh, there there certainly were a lot of good things that went Rutgers way, but then there were also plenty that were, you know, you can make plenty of excuses. I think if we want to point to one thing that was a total RU screw, it was clearly that targeting penalty on Tyreen Powell. And we'll get into all of that, but, you know, I, I th- still think this was a game where, you know, I, I don't like blaming refs. I don't like blaming the weather or whatnot because there was plenty of Rutgers did in this game where they just shot themselves in the foot. So both of those, I think, kind of weigh each other out. But for this defense to respond without, I think, their leader and probably one of the most important players on the defense, Tyreen Powell, for the, the unit to really like do, do a phenomenal job just replacing him and just continuing to chop was, was really, really uh inspiring and just encouraging for the rest of the season but this was a team win this was a team win and i i I think that again um if Rutgers is if when Rutgers has a coaching advantage i think they tend to to just play better and i think that's what happened here i don't know if they should have recovered that on i I call it a squib kick a pooch kick like that probably if a team's ready for that or prepared probably doesn't happen but that's what greg shadow does he 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 makes he makes play i don't know if that was his play call but he's done it Everywhere he's gone, he's made good coaching decisions, and that was one of them. But then, you know, criticized one, taking out Jay Patel on that long field goal attempt for Jude Makatami. I just, I hated that decision, but, you know, we'll, we'll get into more of a breakdown. But overall, this is an exciting, exciting win. And one thing I have to take back immediately is saying how, not not criticizing him, but saying we need less Kyle Manungai and more Aaron Young. I'm done saying that. Kyle Manungai, he is enshrining himself as a Rutgers great as the year continues and hopefully we continue to see more I believe he's leading the Big Ten in rushing he does which lead the is Big Ten yep so incredible so he's he's the embodiment of of what it means to be Rutgers and just to get to outperform his former teammate Jalen Berger on the other side of the ball one guy who had all the offers was like the number one player in Jersey or up there for him to outplay him beat him just just got to be happy for him it, it definitely a lot to be excited about the offensive line was good again but none guy was great the the special teams came up big, but if you're a Michigan State fan or an alum or whatever you are, I, I'm all for, for chopping this game and whatever Rucker says and all that, but Michigan State could not have handed this game on a silver platter anymore, and that's okay to admit if you're a Rutgers fan as well. It's not taking anything away from Rutgers being able to do what they did. No matter how much a team gives you a game, it's hard to come back from a three-score deficit in in a fourth quarter. But my God, could Michigan State have done any more to give Rutgers this game? You talk about dropping a punt that completely changed momentum. You talk about recovering a, a pooch kick. It wasn't even an onside kick. It was a, it was well, really, really well placed um, by Rutgers. It was a great play by Amonkwa to get down there. But, I mean, it, the Michigan State was right there to recover that ball. So no excuse there. Rutgers put together one drive. Um, and they were able to finish it off in the fourth quarter and then get the two-pointer, which was great. But, I mean, if you're Michigan State, you got to be sick. The coaching was bad. Their fourth-quarter execution was bad. Their special teams was bad. Really just nothing good about this game. And it makes me 
it makes me even annoyed to think that Rutgers was down 24 to 6 to begin with because that Michigan State team is very they're very very down. I don't know how long it's going to take to get them back up. Depends who they bring in as head coach, but they're they're down and they're going to stay down for a while. I do think uh the true redshirt freshman uh clearly a bright spot for them. Uh, I I think he played pretty well in his first start. I don't think he put the team in a position to to lose. But Michigan State also had some things go their way with that muffed punt that was just bad. He shouldn't have even tried. Rashad Rashad shouldn't have even tried to yeah, recover. Yeah, set them up at the twelve. Yeah, and then they go up. Uh, what was it? Fourteen to at six, that point and then fourteen to get that field goal. Uh, yeah, I just the reason we felt so negative about Rutgers by the end of the third quarter was exactly for what you said. Like this isn't a good Michigan State team. I do think the score being. The, the, the Michigan State had two good drives, their their first drive of the game and then their first drive of the second quarter. Outside of that, the team just definitely did not play well. And one thing that is so annoying, uh, I wasn't able to go to the game watching on my phone in the hotel room, the whole game from the one from one seat in, the ho- in my hotel room, uh, Matt Millen on the call. He, he was he was a lot, a lot more tolerable this game than others, but he just kept saying how Michigan State, their offensive line is getting such a good push, just this and that. Besides Keaton, Keaton Hauser and uh, a couple quarterback runs by him and one run by Jalen Berger, I was not impressed by this Michigan State offensive line or running game at all. I mean, I would have loved Rutgers to get more sacks, but they had plenty of tackles for losses. So hopefully, I don't know. I mean, Big Ten announcers, they're hit or miss, I guess. But I, uh, Matt Millen can always give Rutgers fans a, a, a reason to be upset about it. But Yeah, Matt Millen historically doesn't do any – He's not loved by Rutgers fans, and, and even no. Corey Provis, I think he was on the play-by-play call, and I didn't love him either. Both, it, it wasn't a good broadcast at all. I agree with that. And honestly, it was it was it was like the weather dictated everything about this game, and it, I feel like the weather wasn't the reason. Maybe for the fumbles, but I feel like the weather wasn't the reason. It was just such an ugly game, but it just made it like it, it fit it perfectly. Like there was there was a lot of good that Rutgers was doing, and then they just would implode or something like that and it was really only a a back and forth like with like there wasn't that much time left in the second quarter when all of that crazy stuff happened like it all happened in such a small period of time uh but ultimately it was a wash it didn't matter it it ended up Rutgers it ended up being a fourth quarter game and Rutgers dominated I mean that last drive of the game I mean Rutgers had the ball for I think eight or seven or eight minutes like 12 plays that's that is how you're. That's how Rutgers is going to win games. Exactly how they like that last final drive. That's exactly how they're going to win games, and that means more common on guy. Yeah, the the offense was back to its anemic ways over the first three quarters. I mean, turning the ball over. Gavin Wimps had two bad picks. I mean, it it was just such a frustrating start to even fall in this position. And like you said, the the fumble um, on the punt had a big hand in that obviously right before halftime that was a killer to set Michigan State up at the 12 yard line I think the I think Hauser ran that in yep. um, from where they were so 14-6 that was tough but again it just looked bad outside of Kyle Manunga this offense again just couldn't get going and it makes you makes you wonder makes you scratch your head for me I want to I want a consistent game that's what I'm waiting for I'm tired of talking about a drive or a play you know, against, the, against Wagner again, freaking throw that game out the window. But we're talking about Jaquay Jackson making a diving catch. Or we're talking about, you know, Ian Strong, who I like, but in the back corner against Northwestern, the first touchdown. Or we're talking about drives here and there. I want a consistent game from this offense. We obviously didn't see it on Saturday. Maybe we'll see it against Indiana. Rutgers has had 
a great track record against them in recent years, and that's another team that's down. But I'm waiting for that consistent performance, and I'm not blaming the weather again because it's not like this is anything out of the ordinary. You know, if Rutgers is lighting up the scoreboard and they come in and have a tough game in bad weather, then you can maybe think about something. But they've been like this week in and week out, so I'm just waiting for that to kind of turn over, especially in the passing game. But Kyle Manungai, I mean, he's incredible, and, and he showed that he can carry a load. I mean, that last drive of the, the very, very final drive of the game to to um, run the clock out, I think he carried it nine times in a row. Like I think it was like a 10 or 11 play drive, whatever it was. He had nine carries, three first downs, really just putting the entire team on his back to end that game, knowing that you didn't want to give the ball back. What he's doing this year is just incredible. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, if I if I told you Rutgers outgained Michigan, I mean, probably believable, but Rutgers outgained Michigan State on the ground and through the air. Like, I, I, I guess that makes sense because, like we said, Michigan State had that short field yep, to score that one touchdown. Uh, and but even Rutgers, like in the in the fourth quarter, wasn't like they were driving much. Like they, they had so many. Sh- they they scored a special. They got my special teams touchdown. I'll, I'll count that. I still want like a return, <laughs> but I'll count that. Um, they that pooch kick was short, and then they scored another touchdown, which was a bit of a drive. But that in any case, like drive, yeah. The, in the first half, the first drive of the game was very encouraging, and then you get into the ten yard line, and we. We run and then we pass on second down. I think that's where the drive stalled because it's never for any offense, no matter how good you are, it's always hard to score within when the, when the field shrinks and you're you're limited because you're playing an extra defender in the back of the end zone. Uh, and then you know Rutgers comes out and passes the ball to Johnny Lang and gets a yard, and then they bring a blitz and Gavin has to get rid of the ball fast. You know another quarterback might have seen Christian Dremel open, but Gavin, you know, going through his de- developments, he's going through his progressions. I think he'll get better, but you know I think we could have got six on that drive or seven, I should say, on that drive uh, without question. But I just don't. I think we need what Rutgers did well during this game was they re- ran the ball when they needed to and they passed a lot. It seemed it, it worked and then it killed us. It worked and then it killed us there. It was frustrating because I think that if they ran the ball more when they were in uh, the red zone area, that first drive of the game, I think they end up with a touchdown, uh, but settling for two field goals in the first quarter really was detrimental just because of how the game ended up playing out. They were getting into scoring position. They just, couldn't cap it off. And I think that's where the Rutgers offense still needs to improve at. Like this was a game where I really like was ready to be like, damn, like, I don't know. I really think Gavin, he, he improved, but now he's stalling out and he's not playing great. But the way he finished the game was encouraging. I mean, the, the touchdown to Isaiah Washington, I think was a perfect uh, embodiment of what he is. He has that easy throw to Aaron. Now, you have to zip it in there, and Aaron Young has to make a play if he wants to get the touchdown. But Aaron right. Young was definitely open in the flat, could have dumped it off to him, and maybe right. he makes it a little late. Gets Instead, he settles for a much more difficult throw to Isaiah Washington, and it was perfect. It's just like, I don't understand him. Maybe I don't need to, but he clearly has the ability to make very difficult throws. He did it on, I think, third down to or second down to Christian Dremel on the opening drive or one of the drive where Kamenung guy picks up a block. He makes these crazy throws, and then there's ones where he has Sean Bowman out open on third down. He just completely zips it into him, which was hard to catch. So once he cleans up those mistakes, like I really think we're going to continue to be happy with Gavin. But got to get to the 200-yard passing game. He's gotten close, very close, but we just – maybe we don't because we're, the teams are going to be playing in the upcoming weeks. We shouldn't need to pass the ball that much to win games. And I think that's all Rutgers needs to be worried about is winning games. We want certain things, but at the end of the day, you know, we're just going to win games and 
that's what happened today or on Saturday. Yeah, I'm all for people criticizing Gavin if they want to. That's fine. He's starting to turn the ball over a little. That's a problem. He's make you know his decision making isn't the best, but that's going to get better. I've never been on the side of I'm ready to to throw him under the bus or to kick him out of this offense because first of all, he's the most talented quarterback on this roster. You know, athletically, physically, speed, arm strength, all that stuff. He's going to improve his decision making, his accuracy, his timing, all of that as he continues to play more. But most importantly, he's got two years left, I believe, on this team of eligibility. He's going to be the quarterback moving forward. This is what Rutgers needs. They needed a guy to start this young and have years built up to um, create that turnover, create that carryover of offense. That means he's going to be even better next year. Also, where are you going from here? You know, you're not going backwards to Evan Simon. Sorry, but that ship has sailed. As good as a Johnny Shepard might be, he's a freshman. You're going to get the same mistakes from him. You're not going from... You know, the grass isn't always greener. He's not going to be somebody who's just going to come in and light it up and make all the decisions. You're going to see the same mistakes, most likely, that you're seeing from Gavin. And and he's shown plenty of times, again, that throw to Isaiah Washington in the corner, that he can, he's got plenty of arm talent, that's for sure. So he's just got to put it all together. I think a big key in that first half was, again, we got to shout out the defense a little bit after the, the first drive of the game for Michigan State, which was very concerning. They had 14 plays, took up almost eight minutes. They completely shut down um, that offense. They locked in and were able to take advantage of a few things. But the offense, again, not being able to take advantage of turnovers because the defense finally created some turnovers. You look at a fumble. Rutgers kicks a field goal, 7-6. They fumble. Rutgers misses a field goal, which I'm, we're going to touch on that as, in a second as well. But after the missed field goal, defense gets another fumble. Gavin throws a pick. Like they just they weren't able to capitalize on anything, and that was big in this game. But I have a lot of opinions on that missed field goal, so I want to I want to hear what you have to say too. That long missed field goal by by Rutgers in that first half. Uh, yeah, no, I was I, I was very upset. I didn't it didn't agree with it in, in any capacity for a couple of reasons. Now I do want to preface this by saying. Maybe Makatami is better in kicking in the rain, but I can't imagine that's true because Jay Patel already made two kicks in the rain. Uh, he made a field goal from that distance, I believe, against Temple. Uh, and Makatami, I mean, I he he did what he does. He he sells it either right or le- typically to the left. Like it, no, no. I'm not trying to talk down about a player, but it made no sense to me. I I, I, I didn't. I haven't listened to any press conferences. Maybe Greg Shano talked about it. Can't imagine Jay Patel was hurt, uh, but he made two field goals already in the game. He almost made a good field goal on the road against Mitch. Like he's he's had very. I mean, he missed a. That uh, was the Jets. I think a Jets game where they missed an extra point. But um, the uh, now he missed one he, last week. He missed one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's Wisconsin. Got it. And um, it, it, it. I didn't. I didn't agree with it at all. I, I just. In any case, it was like if you don't have confidence with Jay Patel kicking the ball, I would have been like, "All right, they're going to punt it here." Like I, I just I thought that was what ha- was happening because I didn't I saw a nine on the jersey and I thought it was uh, Flynn Appleby, but yeah, I didn't agree with it. I thought that it was one of those decisions where you're 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 scratching your head in, on the sideline and you kind of lo- are giving momentum to Michigan State. So I disagreed with it at, at all levels. I didn't understand it. I have to imagine there's an underlying reason to it, but. Unless they forgot that Jay Patel kicked a similar field goal, maybe not in the rain earlier in the season, I'm not sure what went into that decision. Yeah, I I didn't like it at all. I said it live, and I tweeted it to you. You have to punt the ball there. 
to play field position. The game is still 7-6 at that point. You're at Michigan State's 35. You didn't move the ball there. You ran. You moved the ball 11 yards after the fumble. I know he's trying to steal points in a game like this, trying to you know, go on top, but a field goal is not going to win the game. You have to punt and continue to play defense, especially your defense started to settle in. And, and to bring out, you know, to, to keep Jay Patel on the sideline, I guess they feel like, you know, Judd has a better leg for long kicks. I know, you know, Patel struggled at times this year, but like you said, he made one against Temple. I don't think anybody in that weather is favorable to kick a long field goal. It was just a bad decision overall. That's where, again, Greg Schiano has to get better in games. He's really, he, he just hasn't been good in games this year. And, and you look at Michigan State, and they drove the ball. You know, that's where the, the questionable targeting call came in. But they got down to Rutgers 25. Thank God that, um, you know, they made a play and forced another fumble. But you're looking at Michigan State starting to gain momentum. If they punch that in to go 14-6, that completely changes momentum. And that would be, you know, the play that we'd be talking about in this game, in my opinion. If Michigan State went down to score a touchdown there and this game maybe played out a bit differently, that decision to kick a field goal could have been one that changed the entire course of the game. It reminds me, if fans can go back in time with me to 2021, Rutgers is on the road uh, against Michigan. I think it's, a, I don't remember what the score was at the time. If Rutgers lost, whatever it was, I think Rutgers lost that game 20 to 13 or something like that. Uh, Greg Shano decides to go for it on fourth down, like midfield. They obviously don't get it. What happens? Uh, Michigan ends up kicks a field goal and, seals the game away early on in the in the, in the in the game so it's it's these second quarter play calls that sometimes is questionable by greg shiano i just think either like you said punt the ball which honestly i would have been very content with i would have been very content with the especially with the weather and the way the defense was playing besides that opening drive who knows what happens thankfully they they only come away with three or did they come away with, i don't think they came away with any points yeah they didn't that was the fumble you're right either way like it's just one of those decisions where I talk about how happy I am, how the encouraging the coaching staff makes me feel, but it was decisions like that where you're like, what are we, why did we do that? Why are we trying to be like, are, were we trying to bring out him to maybe make Michigan State think we were going to fake it? We weren't going to fake it. It was like fourth and eight, just questionable. But luckily, as the game continued, all of those bad mistakes turned into positives by what they were able to do. But in any case, got to clean those decisions up, especially against you know a winnable game a very winnable game on the road at Indiana but I look ahead to like games like Iowa and Maryland where we can't we have to make the correct decisions in those moments because those teams have made mistakes sure they don't they, they're they're faltering in their own sense but uh gotta play gotta clean it up from that perspective because it was just a head scratcher and I don't want to I don't want to be scratching my head in, in winnable games and of course that the ensuing drive for Michigan State I mentioned was where Tyreen Powell got tossed for targeting. Luckily in the second quarter, so he doesn't have to miss the first half of Indiana, yep. which again is, which again is one of the dumbest rules in college football yep. that a player I think the ejection is stupid the in ejection general. As I don't, a whole is stupid. Yeah. And I mean, you watch this play, I mean, what a play first of all it was on yep. I believe it was fourth down. That's a highlight no matter what. I don't care that it was a target. You you put that on your film. Rutgers put that play out. That's an awesome, awesome play. Absolutely. It's a great highlight. It, it threw me back a little bit. Not as um, big of a spot and definitely not as vicious. But it threw me back a little to Davion Clowney against Michigan. Kind of the hit that he made on the running back. There was the same kind of play there. I mean, he was in the backfield right away. It was I'm, incredible. And I'm, it reminded me more, actually, just because he was a linebacker, of this is going to back to the NFL a while ago. 
Ray Lewis had a fourth down stop against Darren Sproles when it was Ravens Chargers. <laughs> Very similar play. Would have been targeting then. Now it's targeting. It's just really unfortunate because I think that it's when you're a, when you're a six four linebacker tackling a five eleven five ten back like. It's 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 just not ever going to go away. I mean, okay, maybe he led a little bit with his head, but the fact that it goes to commercial break, there's no indication of a flag, and then and you come back and they, you you find out he's uh, target. It was just so so disappointing. Uh, but I think it was also a silver lining that the defense continued to play tough even after losing him. I don't know how they filled him. I don't know. I, I wasn't paying too close attention, uh, but I I'm curious. Because I don't think Moses Walker played after that. I don't know how they replaced him, but the team did fine. I'll say that. Yeah, they, again, thanks Big Ten Network for the great work that you did during this broadcast. <laughs> going right to commercial, not even talking about this call. But, again, unfortunately, you know, you could see where refs called targeting, um, you know, leading with the crown of the helmet or whatever this nonsense rule is that they have in college football. I, d- I don't like it for multiple reasons, aside that it was called against Rutgers and they lost one of their best linebackers, obviously. First of all, this happens on multiple plays in college football. A tackle like this, he it wasn't for- a forcible blow to the head, which is what I feel targeting should be. I never understood where if a, if a player leads with the crown of the helmet saying he hits a guy in the hip or he tackles him low. Like, I've seen targeting called like that or you hit him in the midsection. I think it should be a clear helmet-to-helmet hit with intent. Like, that's what you're trying to get out of this game to make it safer. Take away those helmet-to-helmet hits. All right, you want to say he hits him high, you can, but you're wrong. If you watch the replay, hits him in the chest area. He leads with the crown of the helmet, which is why I think he was tossed out. Again, over uh, over replay, you can make that argument. But it's just such a bogus rule. I have an issue with the ejection. I have an issue with missing the uh, first half of the next game. If you're tossed down the second half, that makes no sense to me. But the overall enforcement of this rule is a big, big problem. And unfortunately, like you said, it's not going to go away. But a play like this, to me, is not targeting because he's not hitting him in the head. I think that's, at the end of the day, that should be the rule. That's what it should be. You're t- trying to take helmet-to-helmet hits out of the way, keep these guys safe and healthy you know, over the course of their life. He, I mean, he hits him in the chest here. He blows up a, a huge play in this game. You take away all the momentum for the Rutgers defense. It was just... You can say the right call by rule if you want to, but it was just. A, <laughs> but if you're, it's just a really, really bad um, decision, I think, by the refs, especially you after a, a replay. That's what gets me too. They they watch these plays again in replay, and then they make their decision. So definitely a big, definitely a big call, but luckily it won't affect them next week. I didn't think that it would have ended up being targeting, but in my opinion, this was one of the more safer hits that happened in a football game. Uh, it wasn't a, I'm not going to say it was a safe hit, but there's more lot, like there were multiple instances during this game where there were more I, I calls that I think could have been targeting. Number one, what, not targeting, but like malicious that would not make the game safe was that second down pass to Kristen Dremel, where I'm not going to say he gets blindsided because he kind of turns his body and faces the defender. But how don't you review it in a situation like that? Or even in the opening touchdown by Michigan State, Flip Dixon lays out the wide receiver after he catches the ball. In my opinion, like those are two way more malicious, way more dangerous hits, and one of them would have won against Rutgers. So like the rule itself is just bad. I don't agree with it in this situation. It was just a like that, that that's a football play like we're playing football the game like that is a that should never i don't want to play like that to ever be outlawed because 
when you play football you, as a linebacker, you dream of a moment like that. Your coach, he did everything right. I don't know how much more he could have done differently. And if you forget that how fast football is played. You know, we're, we're digressing. We're talking about, I feel like we're all men yelling at a cloud right now. But it's just so frustrating because it was, I, I really feel like Michigan, maybe that's why we outgained them. I feel like their best play calls or plus plays were targeting and defensive pass interferences. If you took away that, the targeting and the multiple pass interferences i'm not sure how many scoring drives they have because on all of their all of their scoring drives there was a play that went their way to give them a first down so that's i'm not gonna i'm not making excuses for Rutgers there but you know if you play cleaner on defense like i'm curious what would happen now i do think this happens when Rutgers plays against better passing offenses it's going to be tough against ohio state and penn state but if they clean those up the front seven's been playing great so it's just disappointing, but it was also an incredible play, and I'm so excited we'll get to see Tyrone Powell uh, hopefully make another play like that, just not targeting against Indiana. Yeah, they had two drives, legitimate drives in this game, and you know, you'll take that if you're Rutgers. Problem is they gotta be able to score. And they were both the first drive of the uh each half, the opening yep. drive of the game, and then right after Rutgers punted in the uh to begin the second half, Michigan State went on a fourteen play drive, lasted six and a half minutes. So those were really the only two times that the offense did something legitimate. The the one obviously was set up by the fumble on the punt. But Rutgers has to be able to score and that and that's what it comes down to. Again, I you take what you can get in a game like this. You know, the comeback was incredible. The defense stepped up and obviously Kyle Manung guy, but again, Rutgers was handed a lot in this game in that fourth quarter. They have to be able to score. I don't again, I don't want to hear about the weather I don't want to hear about anything. They have the Gavin needs to make better decisions, and the play calling has to be better. It's funny to see, take the temperature on Twitter though over a game like this, where um, he throws it that touchdown pass to Isaiah Washington, and I saw a, an account tweet out that Rutgers finally has a QB one, and it's it's the same people that are tweeting you know forty five minutes prior that they want Evan Simon in the game. It's like you got to stay consistent. Your your opinions have to stay consistent. If you're going to ride with Gavin, ride with him. And and listen, if you want him benched, I'm not going to yell at you either. That's fine. But stay consistent with your opinions. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Sorry, Greg. I, I, I think I lost you there for a second. But you, you, uh, Twitter is always an interesting, uh, interesting spot. It's always fun uh, to for, see. for Rutgers games, especially when things go away. Uh, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy that. Uh, I I was ready to just I was frustrated myself, uh, but mostly because I was I have so much hope for this team. I want it to go well. And I thought we were just going to get a dose of what we've been used to, what we've been used to for Rutgers uh, watching Rutgers over the years. But in this game was so close to being that, but it wasn't luckily. And I think that's why this year is already different. Is these are games Rutgers loses, doesn't have a chance to come back, and it, it, against bad teams. Like I, I, I almost, I almost tweeted out like this is so frustrating. Not because we're losing, but because we make bad teams look good. Yeah. Uh, and and luckily that was only in a there was only such small pieces of that. It wasn't like the whole game Michigan State looked good. We let them look good at certain situations. I guess you could say the same about them, but I think Rutgers definitely outplayed them for the most part. Um, 
defensively for sure. Uh, but speaking about the defense, got to give shout outs to both Desmond Igmanson and uh, Flip Dixon. I mean, Flip Dixon has to be, yeah, if there's an all transfer team in the Big Ten, he has to be all first, first team all selection. Him, him and, uh, Desmond played tremendous from the safety position. Both made huge critical plays. Flip Dixon almost had a pick six that ultimately ended up in a catch for Michigan State, which I was scratching my head about. But him and, and, and Desmond, I mean, Desmond more so making tackles for loss, picking up a fumble, and then Flip just making big hits in the secondary pass breakups. We're just lucky to have them both. They've both been playing better and better as the season's gone on, and I hope that they can create more turnovers and more tackles for a loss against Indiana. Yeah, they both played a great game. It felt like Desmond was all over the field in this one. And that's what kind of Rutgers has been needed. They've needed uh, that presence in the secondary because it's been kind of absent. It was nice to see them show up here. And they have another way to, another game to kind of build on that against Indiana. That's the good thing, too. You're coming off this game against a team like Indiana that you're going to be favored again. And I haven't seen the line come out yet. I'm sure it did. But Rutgers is probably going to be favorite in this game. Again, you have a chance to clinch a bowl game. I think last time they were in Bloomington. That was two years ago, right? It was like 38-3 to it ended, something like that. They really ran away. I can see a similar game here. Again, if they put together the right offensive game plan, which has been a huge struggle, if they put together the right offensive game plan, they should be able to run away with this game again because Indiana's offense shouldn't shouldn't be able to move the ball consistently against this Rutgers defense. Again, we'll get into that a little later this week, but this was a, a very important game, and they're in a prime position now. All the momentum on their side, team feeling good about themselves. Greg Schiano was extremely animated after this game. So a lot of good things happening in that locker room right now and a good game to bounce back with um, Indiana next week. Also, very well-timed bye for Rutgers this year coming off coming off the Indiana game. Not saying it's going to you know, spark them over the last four games of the season. I still think they're going to you know end with a few losses in a row, unfortunately. But really good time to hopefully get that sixth win and then kind of take a mental and physical break during the bye. Yeah, uh, I want. I, I definitely can't wait to talk about Indiana, but that'll be, I guess, you know, a cliffhanger for another episode. Uh, but yeah, this was this was a game that before the season, I think every Rutgers fans were like, "Hey, we could win this game against Michigan State." And as the season started, after we saw what happened with Michigan State, every fan was expecting this to be a win, and that's what I think why we were so upset online. Just with the way that the game went was going uh but it was look it was it was fun i'm so happy it happened uh i don't remember the last time rutgers had a come from behind big 10 win i guess Mich- maryland maybe in 2020 uh i don't purdue i don't i don't think so it's just it's, it's one, one like this yeah it's just nice to see i mean 18 points in the fourth quarter that's a lot uh, and they didn't. They they did it well. They they did it in a way where every unit of the team stood up and made a play, and it was just super fun. I'm I'm really excited for, to see if Kyle Manungai can continue this. I think uh, if he can get to a thousand yards, I think he's under 400 yards away from that. I think that's very possible. Uh, it's going to have to. A lot of it's going to have to come against Indiana, unfortunately, because then you run into Ohio State and, and Iowa right. and you Penn State. You don't know all how of, much they're going to be running the ball. That's a lot of good defense there. Um, so I don't think he's going to rush for three hundred against Indiana, but he breaks tackles, he makes plays. Uh, and one thing I think, I think what this team needs to, and this is kind of a, a little bit of a tangent here one thing the team's done very good is convert on third and one fourth and one situation so i almost want this team to play like they have four downs that they can get first downs 
in four downs rather than three. Because if they get into that third and two, third and three, and then it brings up maybe a fourth and one, I'm not, you know, I'm jinx, I'm going to jinx it if I keep saying it's a guarantee, but they can they can find ways to convert those fourth down plays. So I think that's important for this team to keep in mind. I think that they're they know that. I don't think they're ever going to, depending on where they are on the field, if they're on the plus side or near midfield. I think they're probably going to end up going for it more, and I want to see that. I mean, they did it against Wagner, which was more of a concern than a. Uh, me being excited. So I think they're going to do, I think the, the play call is going to be very similar against Indiana. Now, Indiana's defense isn't just a cakewalk. I think they have some really good players, but top to bottom, not a great unit. Their offense is obviously the problem there in Bloomington, but I'm hoping Rutgers can do a lot of the same that, that they had success on against Michigan State against them. Uh, so yeah, we're going to see more common on guy. Get used to it. Yeah, and that's not the worst thing for this offense, especially in a game like this. I don't know how much they're going to run the ball over the last four weeks, so that might hinder his progress of getting to 1,000, but he should have another big game here. I mean, you watch him run, and he, he's deceivingly fast, but he's tough. He likes contact. You know, and he's not the biggest back out there, but he's he's strong. He's physical. He's able to break tackles. He's really impressive and fun to watch, especially when he gets going. That last drive was as fun as it could be, and, I, and he didn't break off any of his big runs. Um, but nine in a row, I believe it was eight, nine in a row, three first downs to milk the clock down. And obviously they didn't have to give it back. It ended, I believe with them kneeling down really, really impressive stuff there. And the offensive line, we get to shout out them too. It's been a really good group all year. Pass protection has been better than expected. And that continued, but opening holes for Manungai and, and winning the battle here, no matter what Matt Millen was saying, winning the battle here against Michigan state, another impressive performance. Yeah, uh, it was obviously as good as Kyle Manungai is most of the time when you have a dominant running performance. And it wasn't really, I guess we can call it dominant. It wasn't until the fourth quarter that it was very dominant. But in any case, yeah, the, the big boys up front were, were, were making plays. But more importantly, you have the tight ends and the wide receivers also making good plays. And in the passing game, you have Kyle Manungai getting good chip blocks on, on blitzing linebackers or safety. So, again... Everybody's contributing. Everybody's chopping. It's 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 great. The only thing Rutgers lost in this game was the penalty battle and the time of possession battle. Outside of that, they punted the ball two times less than than uh, Michigan State. Uh, I think Michigan State. Well, I don't know. He didn't. Did he have more completions? Let's see. He had five more completions, but for fifty less yards. So you know, one thing that's very peculiar about this Rutgers offense, and I think if you, there's stats to back this is they have one of the lar- the longest depths per target in the passing game. So we're throwing the ball the furthest pass line of scrimmage on average. I don't necessarily know why. I, I'm begging for just short passes, but I guess when you have a good running game, you, you view it. If you can pick up five yards through the air or the ground, might as well do it on the ground because it's safer, less chance of a turnover. But it's just frustrating, I think, at times where we're, we've had some great passes, but it's it's not consistent enough, like you said. So hope we just need Gavin to have like a dominant performance. But I don't know if there's a game on the on the schedule left for that to happen, based off of who we're playing and what what the script should read for those. But we'll see. I think that still he. Uh, besides, I, I think the first interception that was off the hands to Ian Strong. Yes, it could have been a better throw, but also it did hit him square in the hands. So I'm, I can't fully blame Gavin on that. But the second one, that was just a terrible throw. We haven't really seen that uh, that type of mistake where it's just like a complete airmail 
Jaquay Jackson, I, I mean, it looked like he was open, unless I'm reading it wrong. It looked like he was open. So it was just a bad throw, but let's get it out in games where we're going to win, and hopefully for the rest of the year we can play clean because turnovers are not going to be our, in our favor as, as the schedule continues. And we have to mention Johnny Langan again, and, and he's only got 11 catches on the year. He had to, he actually had two on Saturday, which was surprising to see. He hasn't been catching the ball much this year. But what he's done as a blocker and kind of acting like a sixth offensive lineman, we've talked about this before. He's one of the smartest players on the team on the field at all times. He's he's six three, I believe. He's close to two fifty. He knows how to use his weight. He's very athletic. He's strong, but he he moves people along that offensive line. He's been a huge factor in this run game. So we talk about the five offensive linemen across, but Johnny Langan has kind of been that sixth member of that unit when Rutgers needs him to be, and he's really doing it at a high level. That's been another reason I think the run game has taken a step up this year. Manungai is really able to do what he does because he's got so many talented blockers out there for him. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Both him and John Bowman have had moments this year in the run blocking game where they've made an impact. And that's not going to show on a box score or stat sheet. You're not even going to maybe see it in a highlight film. I know I did a breakdown on YouTube of some of his great plays, and he deserves it. He's a great player, and he's a guy who came and played quarterback, was running the ball more, uh, started was our leading receiver last year. And now he's in a much more under-the-radar role that you aren't going to necessarily point to while you're watching the game. Like, hey, he made a great play there because it's not going to be a catch. It's not going to be a run. So just credit to him. So happy he came back. He's just a he's a true Jersey guy, and we want to see more of those guys on the roster as well. You know, give me give me 11 Johnny Langans on a football field versus anyone, and I'm, I'm happy to root for that team. So just always happy to see him. Uh, just to talk receivers a little bit more, I don't think we can debate it much more. I, Christian Dremel has to be the number one wide receiver on this team. Like he just statistically, he he has to be our leading receiver now. He gets the most targets, six catches this game. Like we may want it to be somebody else, but I think it's he's the guy. I just think that that's what this offense has done. Uh, six receptions for eighty yards. That's good. It's great. Um, we're still waiting for that big breakout game by somebody, but based off of targets, based off of catches, like. I, I have to say it's Christian Dremel. I, I don't think I can make an argument for anybody else. Yeah, I mean, amazingly enough, uh, Jaquay Jackson has two more yards on the season, um, but he's got five less catches, hasn't scored yet. Christian Dremel has three touchdowns and a huge two-point conversion in this Michigan State game, too. It's funny you mentioned a breakout game. This felt like a breakout game. That's how, like, I, I won't say bad. That's a little harsh. That's how inconsistent and kind of unimpressive at times this receiving group has been. Like, six catches for 80 yards, you look at the Rutgers box score, and that feels like a breakout game. Like, I don't know, these receivers don't have these type of games. You know, Bo Melton's not here anymore, so these receivers don't have these type of games. But you can tell that Gavin, he's real comfortable with Christian Dremel, and, and he catches the ball. Again, another a smaller receiver, seems like a slot guy, but he's tough over the middle, and he's not afraid of contact, so... And he's been pretty sure-handed, you know, for the most part uh, of anybody. He's been the most sure-handed one. You could tell that Gavin definitely likes him. That's his favorite target out there. So if he's going to be the number one, that's fine. I still like Jaquay Jackson. Um, He's only got 16 catches. So obviously something's going on there. But Christian Dremel's done a great job in that game against Michigan State was impressive. And even to get the two-pointer, that was a nice play called by Rutgers and and a good finish on the play by Dremel. Yeah, uh, but I... In, total, in, in terms of yardage, actually, Jaquay Jackson is the leader at 282 versus Kremel's 280. He just has five less catches. So, I mean, he's he's producing and producing more with less. So that's that's always crucial. One guy that, you know, 
I have to imagine we see him by the end of the year because he hasn't been ruled out for the year. Maybe he's going to come back after the bye. Is Chris Long. If you add Chris Long into this wide receiver yeah, group. Yeah, he was supposed to be one that improved this year too. I get more and more excited. I mean, everybody's been contributing. I mean, it's clear that our leading receiver, like we have four receivers that I'm comfortable with. Quay Jackson, Christian Dremel, Isaiah Washington, and Ian Strong, and then you add in Johnny Langan. You're adding Chris Long. I'm excited. I'm excited because I think he's like a combo between uh, Isaiah Washington and Jaquay Jackson a little bit. Like he's he's speedy. He's a little bit taller. Well, no, actually, I, I just think it would be great to see him on the field because then maybe you're going to be using guys in different ways. Maybe you see Jaquay Jackson get a screen pass or something like that. It's just I just would love to see a thousand yard rusher and a thousand yard. Uh, Receiver, I don't think we're going to get that because we'll need about 700 more yards from one of the guys. I don't know if we're going to pass for 700 more yards in this game, but it is great to see Gavin uh, over a thousand yards. Still, he's just at 50% completion percentage, which isn't great, but he does have a QBR of 100. And oh, wait, that that's not. I guess that's not good because he has a 114.2 and then Evan Simon has a 260.7. So I guess 114 is not great. I don't know how to read that. But in any case, seven touchdowns to four interceptions. Not bad. I mean, that's that's I means I would love to see less interceptions. But, you know, let's get to 10 touchdowns from a quarterback. Let's see what let's see what happens if we can do that. It's just nice seeing a quarterback uh, a box score, I should say not have multiple quarterbacks with, you know, a ton of attempts. It To me, it's nice that Gavin's been able to stay on the field, obviously staying healthy, but also his play's been good enough to, to earn the job. I don't think that Rutgers would be shy about making a move if he really came out and, and just exploded, um, you know, in a bad way, imploded, I should say. He hasn't done that. Again, turned the ball over a little bit, and it's becoming more in the past couple weeks, which could be a concern. It's going to make better decisions, but it's nice to see him get over 1,000, definitely have to throw 10 touchdowns. I'd like to see him closer to, to 15 by the end of the season, especially in games where they're going to be throwing the ball a lot more. But again, he's only been sacked six times this year. This offensive line and pass protection has been really, really impressive, and it's not like Rutgers has been drawing up a ton of plays to get the ball out quickly. I mean, they have at times, we're seeing a lot of outs. Again, the screen game is non-existent wide receiver or running back, but he's only been sacked six times and he's been dropping back a little bit. So this line's been very, very impressive. It's also nice to see uh, an offensive line. You don't have to worry about too much going into a game because that's been a bit, since Seattle came back, that's been a big question mark and a big problem for this team. Yep. Um, but I, uh, let me see. I want to look at the defense. Let's see what we're doing. Just, I'm on the stats. So I don't, it's, not, it's not giving me the total, but we have a lot of guys who are registered a sack, which is great. And if you told me Aaron Lewis is the leader, I wouldn't believe you, but I guess it's that Wagner game that really yeah, put it separated. The Wagner there. game, that was it. <laughs> but, but the we have one, two, three, four, five. We have five interceptions on the on the year. I would love for that to up increase. I think that we're producing turnovers, that's for sure. And if they're fumbles, so be it. Uh, but it would be great to see some more more interceptions we had opportunity in this game to get a couple but in any case one game i'm not going to uh not going to be upset about that but robert Longerbeam, man can't talk more highly about him i think he's having a better year than max melton uh, you know no no defense to max melton but i think that's just true um and yeah the defense i'm i, I have nothing really bad to say about them flip dixon leading tackler how about that i didn't i didn't uh i didn't even realize that but it's 
just very happy with the way the defense has performed and a lot of guys making different plays at all different levels on the field. Yeah, the the way they bounced back in this game was impressive, and that's not to say that it came out completely flat. But Michigan State did go on that opening drive. That could also be a factor if they don't. There's not a lot of tape on this quarterback, so sometimes a, a new player Correct. comes in and just punches you in the mouth right away. But it felt like after that one drive, they really locked in. They were able to create turnovers. They did give up one more drive over the course of the game. But if you're going to allow two drives, uh, you know, two touchdown drives from your opponent, you'll take that every week if you're a defense. So they've they still continue to be tough. They're strong, and you know, I, I don't. I, again, I don't hate the targeting hit. You know, go in, make plays, be physical. They're showing that they're not going to back down. So again, thank God we get that. We get him back next week, and it wasn't in the second half, but. I love plays like that. I love the physical nature this defense is playing and just kind of how they took over that game. Because like you said, Rutgers outgained Michigan State in this game as much as it didn't feel like that happened. So after that first drive, Michigan State had like 150 yards the rest of the way. And 80 of them or 70 of them probably came on that second drive, uh, second touchdown drive in the second half. Yeah, Uh, yeah. like I said, I haven't watched a lot of Indiana I've watched a couple. I know we're talking about talking about Michigan State, but I just think that this was a game where Rutgers. I, I don't know if if Rutgers. I guess it's this game in Indiana and the first three games maybe are teams where you can make the mistakes that they've made and still win the game. After that, not going to happen. So clean, play a cleaner game. We need a dominant win on the road against Indiana, and I think that you come into the bye. Ohio State's Ohio State. Not gonna, not going to promise anything there. But <laughs> I would love to see – I mean, you're telling me uh, – how many weeks? We'll say nine weeks into the season. No, it would be like ten weeks into the season that Rutgers is facing Ohio State with only two losses on their schedule. They're six and two. You know, I know we're jumping ahead, but like that – that's like a good matchup late in the year in the Big Ten. Like to be six and two playing undefeated Ohio State, like that. That's a good win for for like if Ohio State comes out and has dominant win, like that's a really good win for them. Like that, that's a oh they're on the road in Piscataway. Like I'm curious what this line will be. So uh, it's very fun. I want to, but we need to see a dominant win uh, on Saturday uh, against Indiana. I don't think that's too much to ask for. Uh, but you know, let's. Let's score early. Let's score often. Let's suffocate them. We'll get into, obviously, more of a breakdown later in the week. But Rutgers is in the perfect situation. I mean, if you told any fan they'd be 5-2 and two at this point, I think they would sign up for it immediately. Absolutely. 5-2, and two, looking to get to 6-2 and two, into the bye week in the third week of October, which is just crazy to think about. Being bowl eligible in the third week of October, that's all Rutgers could ask for. And honestly, a win next week makes it a successful season regardless how they finish out, especially against you know the tougher teams in the Big Ten, talking about Ohio State, Penn State, and then obviously Michigan hasn't been a favorable matchup. Iowa's defense shouldn't be a favorable matchup. There shouldn't be a lot of points in that. That might be the first game we see in the 20s. But <laughs> that um, is a very, very ugly – I meant by both sides combined. The over-under should be set at 28 in that game. But <laughs> – Regardless, Rutgers has one game to look forward to next week. The season comes down to one week. This is it for Rutgers fans. Like you said, go in, get a dominant victory, get to 6-2, and two, enjoy the bye week, and really just go out and play with house money the rest of the season. So we'll be back later in the week to preview this Rutgers-Indiana game, talk about our best bets, make a pick in Rutgers, and, and talk about what could and should be another victory for Rutgers.